this is Hey Matters. Welcome. Thank you for listening again. And um, well, we got we got something exciting to discuss, Lorma. Um, uh, <laughs> as a recent reason recently, there's a paper being this uh, has been published in the Canadian Medical Association Journal, if I'm saying correctly. Um, yeah, which yeah. has has created some excitement um, in your world and the field. So um, uh, it's certainly creating, it's getting attention. So this is a study that has taken Sarah Walwork about three years with a team of people from several countries. So first up, let me just acknowledge that this is this is something that Sarah Walwork has done the work for. Um, she would describe this as happening in, an, in another time of life because her her expertise has really moved along in different areas with a focus on kids. And it'd be great to come back and talk to, talk to you, Bart, about some of the exciting work that Sarah is now doing. So I'm here to talk about this study because uh, Sarah would rather it that way. Uh, so this is a meta-analysis. So that means that we go to a whole bunch of um, studies and those studies are studies in which researchers have enrolled people with back pain. So someone has back pain and then they follow them for a year. So they don't literally follow them around the house. They um, make sure they follow up with them. So they gain new assessments every, it might be three or six months um, as a rule, sometimes every week, just to see how their back pain progresses. So it's called the clinical course of back pain or the normal trajectory of back pain. Uh, this idea was actually first done 12 years ago uh, by a group out of the University of Sydney. And at that stage, there were about 10,000 participants in all of those primary studies put together, about 10,000 participants. And in that study, they divided those participants into people who had had back pain for less than six weeks and people who had had back pain for more than six weeks. They call the first group acute back pain and the second group chronic back pain. And all of that data told us that if you have acute back pain, you're very likely to recover. And if you have chronic back pain, you're still very likely to recover, but not quite as likely to recover. Uh, now, we thought that was quite interesting because uh, clinically, we see a lot of people with chronic back pain uh, that they've had for more than you know, three or six months, and often they still have it a year later. Or we see people who have had back pain for years, years and years. Uh, so we looked more carefully at that data, and we thought 12 years later, uh, I wonder if there's more data now. So Sarah went looking, and she organised uh, an international team into groups. Half of the team were also involved in that study a decade ago more than a decade ago. And this time she found enough data uh, to divide it into three groups. So there's now 20,000 patients in her study and they're divided into three groups, the people with acute back pain, but then the people who had already had back pain for between six and 12 weeks were called subacute. And then the people who had it for more than 12 weeks or three months were called chronic. So we've changed the, the sort of the, the definition of chronic back pain from more than six weeks to more than three months. And when you look at the data now, a different picture emerges, and this is why it's getting a lot of attention. So what these data show is that, yeah, if you've had 
uh, back pain for less than six weeks, you're very likely to recover. About 70% of people will be better, completely recovered a year later. Of the people who still have back pain between six, for between six and 12 weeks, they're pretty likely to recover. So the outcome is not quite as good, but about 70% of those people a year later will be better. If you've already had back pain for three months when you join a study of some description, so this is for anyone who's had back pain for more than three months, the 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 likelihood of recovery is much less, just much less. So when we did the press release for this study, we we said, do you want the good news or the bad news? And the good news was if you've had back pain, your back pain started within the last you know, 10 to 12 weeks, you're 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 probably going to be okay in a year. Chances are you'll be okay in a year. But if you've already had it for more than three months, and it's you know it's not like there's this magic event that happens after three months. Obviously, it's not like you you go to bed eleven weeks and six days after your injury with subacute back pain that's likely to recover, and wake up the next day at twelve weeks with chronic back pain that isn't. It's not like that. So we really have to say you know broadly speaking. If you've already had back pain for a few months, your chance of recovery is much lower. So that's that's the bad news. And the reason that it's got a lot of attention uh, is that all of our clinical guidelines out there are based on the earlier meta-analysis and our uh, our research focus is based on that. And we have probably underestimated the the challenge facing people with back pain even for a few months. And that's why I've been doing a lot of interviews <laughs> because we think, I guess the world is thinking, okay, so do we have to, you know, should we be panicking four months in? And the answer there is absolutely not. But it does tell us we've got to do better. So it's a long-winded answer, but, but I hope you understand yeah. Sarah's study. Yeah, absolutely. So, so um, from this clinical perspective, you said, didn't we already knew that? Yeah, well, you know, that's that was part of the motivation because those of us who work with people with chronic pain, we see a lot of people who've had their pain for more than a year. So that previous idea that we had that even chronic back pain is likely to be better in a year doesn't seem to fit. Although, you know, I must say that we we might see that proportion of people who slip through the cracks, but there's a lot of them. Right. In clinical practice, we know that, you know, our, our patient lists have a lot of people with back pain who say, how long have you had it? Oh, since I was 15. You know, so it the result's not that surprising to people at the clinical cold face, but I think it might be a bit more surprising to the number crunchers and the the research only people in our field. Yes. And how, how strong is that evidence you've seen or less? how sure are you about this results? Um, yeah, great so question. Is, is, is it the right cutoff, like three months? Great question, but um, uh, I don't know. Who knows? I mean, the the old the three month rule was really generated with with tissue healing times in mind, and obviously tissue healing times will be different according to what happens. But the vast majority of acute back pain is not associated with massive tissue trauma, so. If anything, th you know, three months might be a bit, bit longer as an average healing time. 
But you ask, you ask, how sure are we? That's a really astute question because um, we now have enough good quality studies with good follow-up to be pretty certain uh, of the 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 picture for people with acute or subacute back pain. Um, so often in meta-analyses like these, that you do a thing called a grade assessment, and that's when the research team sits down and and makes a decision according to a set of rules about how certain we can be about this evidence. And the great assessment here was we're, we're quite certain that if you have acute or subacute back pain, your chances of recovery at a year are good. Um, we're less certain about the chronic stuff. Um, and the biggest reason for that is that the studies that do that have much higher dropout rates and incomplete follow-ups. And, there's two there's, there's two ways, two effects that that could have. I guess there's three effects that that could have that the people you do get on follow-up represent the whole group, and that's probably unlikely. The most likely is that the people you do follow up uh, are the ones who are prepared to stay engaged in the study. Um, the third op option is that the ones you follow up are the only ones who are still in trouble, and that means that actually recovery is better than it looks. But it's always good to to go with what the evidence from other fields is telling us. And that's telling us that the people who drop out usually drop out because they've been become disengaged and you know don't want to be part of the study anymore. And that's we think more likely to represent people who are not recovering. Um, you know, these we know these we know people with chronic pain disengaged from healthcare, let alone research studies. Uh, so yeah, I guess we're not overly, we're not nearly as certain as we'd like to be about the chronic pain outcomes, but um, we suspect that if the answer is different from what we've found, it's more likely to be worse than to be better. Mm. And so what's the real world? So what factor here then? Yeah, so what do we do about this? Well, I think the... The obvious things to come out of this are we we need to knuckle down on getting the treatments that work to people with chronic back pain and getting those treatments to them pretty much as soon as they're as soon as they're still in trouble three months after their back pain started. I mean, one one common response to data like this out there in the field is we need to develop better treatments. Um and I I think that's that's true, but I'd probably say we need to keep keep developing the treatments we've got that are effective. And yeah, there is actually a lot of data to suggest that you know we now do have effective treatments for chronic back pain, but the challenge is getting them to people with chronic back pain. And that you know that taps into all the other stuff our research group does, you know, about trying to overcome these barriers. You know, three of the barriers that, that we know are out there is that healthcare professionals are often operating in funding models where they don't get paid to deliver the best care they could deliver. Uh, or they don't feel like they have the skills or the knowledge or the confidence to, to deliver that or to persuade their patient to want that. And that points to the third barrier that consumers, as a rule, don't expect the best care we've got. They expect the care that uh, they've already heard about, which we're learning is not very good. Um, you know, this the old idea of chronic back pain being a single 
source or a single pathology that can be burnt or fixed or stabilized or strengthened that you know that idea is really yesterday's newspapers you know that's an old idea so the treatments that have been developed from the ground up to consider the complexity the sort of the the true messy nature of chronic back pain are proving promising so i think you know the the so what factor is let's knuckle down on getting people with chronic back pain access to the best treatments uh, I think another so what factor is let's make sure we're monitoring people's recovery trajectory that we, you know, we can use the recovery trajectories, you know, what normally happens to reassure people. Uh, it's often quite worrying two weeks after an acute back injury when your pain spread a bit. Uh, you didn't think you did much damage, but now you're starting to reconsider that. So we can use these normal recovery patterns to reassure people that, okay, yeah, it, it feels bad. Uh, it's painful, the pain is spreading. This is a normal process. You're on track. You're safe to, to continue gradually increasing your amount of activity. Uh, me as a healthcare professional who understands the trajectory, so this is my, what we might say to people, I'm not worried about where, where you're at. If you're worried about it, let's talk about that more. So that's a real world so what factor. I think from a research perspective, even though we got to 20,000 participants, we didn't get much information about what happens to kids when they have back pain. So we don't have many people under 18 um, in any of the studies. Yeah, so we really don't know what happens to you know that, that adolescent who's developing back pain as a 14-year-old. As a We've had it for a couple of weeks. What, what's the normal trajectory? We don't know. Uh, we also don't know about people who are at the other end of life, you know, people people over 65. I mean, that's you still got 25 years, you know, to go for a lot of people. And we don't know what happens there either. So they're important research targets. So just on, on the question on, on, on the trajectory, because I think what do you mean by a trajectory that is considered to be a chronic pain trajectory yeah great yeah i great question because i do it's so it's so easy to start using these terms that we use during the research study right so that we we develop jargon uh and then we'll, you forget that they're not everyday terms but um so when we talk about normal trajectory of back pain we're talking about on average uh how long does it take to slowly slowly return to normal, pain-free, disability-free, back to normal function. And that the pattern by which that, or the pattern that that follows, we call the trajectory. So the, the pattern of symptoms after an acute back pain is to gradually recover over the next six weeks. We still have a trajectory or a pattern of symptoms with people with chronic back pain. Uh, and the fact that some recover and the line doesn't stay horizontal. So what I mean by that is that across these data sets, uh, people who entered the study having back pain for more than three months and therefore chronic back pain, when they were followed up three or six or 12 months later, they were on average a bit better. Uh, so it is tempting for us to think that if you if you, if someone engaged with healthcare or with a research project with chronic back pain 
they'll be presenting with the normal level of back pain that they have had forever. But actually, uh, we can think about the idea of regression to the mean and if people have heard that term. But people are more likely to seek care or enroll in a project when things are a bit tougher. So they're probably more likely to, to enter these studies or to turn up to the physio or the doctor. Even if they've had chronic back pain, they'll, they're more likely to turn up when their chronic back pain is a bit worse than it usually is. Uh, and then the law of natural you know, natural history or, or regression to the mean will be that they, that hump, that that blip goes back to what it was, which will be a bit less. Exactly. I think uh, clinicians could relate to that. Then people will very likely to feel better um, after a couple of sessions just because of that. If you're understanding that, that factor of regression to yeah. the mean, um, but isn't also, that isn't yeah. that annoying? But like, it is yes. annoying as a clinician to accept that because <laughs> it's much easier to conclude that they're a bit better because of what you did. Well, in in my view, uh, from my experience, I've found it like all right. So the first hump surviving that is not probably because I did a good job, but it's probably uh -huh. more more my energy should be in that second part when it's likely uh -huh. there will be another hump. <laughs> yeah. And I think yeah. that's where where your therapeutic approaches are getting tougher through. Is I would be worried if people have a decrease of pain through the whole series of of sessions, and no, right. up because they never don't yeah, right. don't. So it's like it's like everything works out well. Like it's a it's a miracle, <laughs> and it's I don't think it's a miracle because I think people should work very hard and, and it's a tough and it's very likely they don't they don't know what to do once it's sure um happening again or they have um, recurrent back pain which is another right so getting people like being pain free yeah. for a couple of days and then they have another hump so there are different like trajectories as you said i'm also a bit worried when people are having spreading pains like uh, uh knee pain back pain shoulder pain neck yeah pain. right headaches and that like as over a course of months they they it's it like it's like a spreading pain mm -hmm. and not necessarily just uh back pain um uh, mm -hmm. over mm -hmm. longer times and mostly over years um yeah, experience right. these uh different types of trajectories i reckon which is yeah, I, had, I remember a patient as you say that who would turn up in my books every august with a a flare of her it was neck pain um and she she over the course of of our interaction recognized other things that were happening every august uh that were very sensible contributors to her pain so that's a really interesting yeah. so, so did you do you enjoy all these uh, all the media stuff by the way <laughs> um oh look i uh not particularly, to be honest. Uh, I don't, I don't love it, but I, I enjoy, um, I enjoy bringing findings to the community for sure. Um, the the thing that I find challenging about the the media stuff is, uh, is when my objectives and the interviewer's objectives are clearly not very well aligned, uh, and that can happen a bit. You know the. I had one interview this week and and the interviewer just 
just kept saying how all research is crap and how can we trust researchers? And I don't really enjoy that because I think, well, I don't, it's an interesting thing to talk about, but I'm getting paid by the government to do research and to push the field forward with knowledge generation. And that's what I'd like to talk about. But actually it's been interesting that there's one thing that's been different this week. That's probably made me enjoy it a little bit more is that uh, two days before the media or two days before the, the paper was published, I sustained a back injury. Uh, I think I sustained a back injury. I definitely had sudden onset of back pain. Uh, but that's a whole new story, really. I see we've run out of time. Yeah, I think. Well, that will be our next episode, I guess. Um, okay, let's do that. With you. Cool. Well, it'll be yeah. interesting to see where things are up to by then. Yeah, absolutely. Um, cool. Let's run it. Um, so um, thank you for listening. Um, I'm aware we have received um, questions, uh, quite a lot of questions, and uh, we've been trying to use the, the the conversations we run uh, bi-weekly to capture some of these questions so some of people will be very happy today because we had questions about trajectories and when things are getting chronic so um and our next episode will be very similar uh, we will capture some of your questions um for sure so thank you for sending those through because these are very helpful thank you for listening thank you Loz. thank you Bart. catch you in two weeks excellent <laughs>